<laughs> MFIT Radio. What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, and that means it's a podcast day. Um, I have Ethan Godwin, who is experiencing for the first time the Biomet that I've talked about before when I talked um, my podcast with Kristen Olson with KO, and it's just like the warmest, most relaxing infrared gym hippie shit that you <laughs> you could get. Um, but anyway, I'm so glad you guys are joining me today for another episode. Um, I am in the middle of a challenge, so this is pretty much mid mid week two of the 21 Day MFit Challenge, and people are cutting sugar and crushing life, and I hope you guys are feeling good. I promise it gets easier. I love getting people to just start reading ingredients and getting good meal plans. But the most popular thing that happened when I introduced keto meal plans was this just like excitement of this whole keto movement. And so Ethan and I met pretty much, how long ago was it? Two years ago? February 16th. 16. So I guess it's a year and a half ago. Um, and really just... It, at a keto conference, learning about some incredible stuff from Dr. Dom. Who else was there? Just yeah, Fullock was there, so Ohio State University. He's more like endurance performance. Um, Adam what? Nally, Dr. Angela Poff. So, the yeah, what we're going to talk about <laughs> is ke- all things keto because I want you guys to have some good references and a good place to go, and I just want to dig into this topic. Plus, we'll talk about a lot of other nerdy things because that's what Ethan and I do. <laughs> Hi, Griff. Um, Griff is hanging out with us as well. So welcome, Ethan. I'm glad that you're in town for the weekend. The weekend. Thanks for having me. Yeah. When? Do, how did you get into um, ketogenic? You've had a pretty big weight loss journey yourself. Yeah. So I got into ketogenic or ketosis and all that kind of stuff um, listening to podcasts. So I've I've kind of had like a transformation story that didn't start with ketosis, but it started with just like not playing video games all day long. And it kind of started with the exercise side where it was exercising, you know, it got up to like three hours a day. Like it's just wow. the more and more and more principle. Um, and then doing that like six days a week, seven days a week. So what like, was your nutrition like when you were exercising three hours? Oh, it was like bodybuilding.com, everything. Yep. <laughs> Been there, like done that. Chicken yep. and rice, like sweet potatoes, but like no butter, just like no salt, just pretty much bare. Um, fish and tilapia or tilapia yeah, and broccoli. fish, tilapia, yeah. broccoli, but all, everything like steamed with no salt, like no spices, just mm-hmm. pretty awful, really like flavorless. Uh, and then I plateaued with like 40 pounds of loose. Which doesn't make sense if you're exercising like 15 hours a week, like that you have almost like a, a part-time job at the gym yeah. and you're eating that way and then it just like plateaued. So I found the like fat coffee on the Joe Rogan podcast of all things. Um, he was talking about it and I just started like just loving weird things. I was like, well, that's completely different than everything I've ever heard. So. <laughs> I'm going to try that. And then at the time I was kind of mountain biking. So I started playing with it and that and like, you know, drinking fat and like butter my coffee and then going biking and surprisingly like against everything I thought my, my brain and like science that I was learning at the time, like bodybuilding.com science. Um, I felt amazing. So then it just kind of sent me down this path of learning as like as much as I absolutely could. So for you, your weight loss journey when it first started, so let's go pre-ketones. 
and ketogenic diet, what was your factor that like really pushed you to say, I'm going to make a change? Okay. So whenever I was 12, my father passed away of a heart attack. And then the next year, another uncle passed away, kind of a medical thing. So at that point, so fast forward a little bit, I was 290 almost, 285, somewhere in that realm. And it was, I think like 18 is like your last pediatric appointment or something like that. So I was, I remember vividly being at that appointment and the doctor had like his little chart out and he like did the dotted line and he was like, next time you'll be over 300. And then like, it was at that moment that it didn't start right there, but that was like the the kind of the ball in motion kind of thing. And it was really just like, I don't want to die at age 40. So that was like the first factor, but I mean, up until then, I was just like, I was a really good student. So living in the Midwest, if you're a good student, you were taught the food pyramid and you ate all the grains, all the, I mean, you know, all the kind of stuff, but like you weren't ever taught quality or anything like that. You were just taught like this many servings of this, this many servings of that. And I mean, I feel like I followed that. So being that that was failing me, I just kind of like backbone off that and said it was all my genetics fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like what you said about when you first experienced, by the way, Joe Rogan is my person in the world. I can't wait to meet him one day. But um, when you talked about how it's so different and it's like, it it almost like intrigues this rebel mentality. Cause I see all the time through Instagram feed, through Facebook ads, and especially in CrossFit gyms, this phenomenon of still like a revival of the low, low fat and higher carb. So like working against gravity or any sort of typical diet where it's just it teaches you that you cannot lose weight without eating, without limiting your fats. And I think we all kind of know that that can work to some degree, but they're one, what you had was a plateau, but also there's just this mentality of how exhausting it can be and how there's a point where that's just, it just doesn't make sense in your head and you feel like crap for certain reasons and your hormones kind of go to shit and you just like get sick of counting things all the time and you feel like all of a sudden you're now being controlled by food. So I love this rebel mentality that you can eat fat and you can lose fat. And that did you see success very quickly? Oh, it was like instantaneous. Wow. What were your biggest like besides weight loss? What was what was some of the other benefits? So, and I know we've talked about this. So I would say the majority of it was like mental and brain health. Mm-hmm. Um, it was having these memories flash back from like whenever I was age like 10, 11, 12, 13, like those years where um, I had just probably eaten the worst. And like those years after my dad had passed away, that's probably like when I ate the most sugar and processed food and like root beer floats out of like a giant salad bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was all the mental clarity that I got from it. And then being that I found mountain biking whenever I was still a little bit overweight or kind of a lot bit. Uh, that sport involves a lot of crashing and smashing your head into trees and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it also helped a lot. Well, I know it did with the neuroprotective kind of stuff and like turn the light bulbs back on. Can you expand on that a little bit and how that works with ketones and why it's so good for your brain? Yep. So I guess like in the circumstance, like we're in Denver, like tons of active people everywhere, trails galore, which is amazing. Um, if you would hit your head really hard, say doing some kind of sport or really like even, like if you jerk your head really hard in the car or something like that, you can get some kind of trauma from that um, or TBI. And what happens is glucose receptors actually downregulate during that period of time. So, I mean, that period of time is kind of variable for each individual and the circumstance. 
But during that period, your brain doesn't have an energy source. And if you're kind of the person that's always eating sugar, your body, it can produce ketones. Everyone's body can produce ketones um, unless there's like an anomaly somewhere. Um, but what that does is like if you can't produce ketones very well or you haven't, so your body's not efficient with it at that point, then your brain has no energy source because it can't get the glucose. Even if you're eating just like sugar or drinking sugar water, it's not going to feed the brain. Whereas ketones are kind of like a backdoor. They don't use the Krebs cycle. And that way you can kind of fuel or mitigate that damage during that period of time or turn it back on after. So you, it's more, oh man, that's cool. Um, so for you, you take, you make sure you're always, let's start here. So I have so many questions. <laughs> um, okay. Are you always in a ketogenic state? Uh, I was for a long time. And then at this point now I've kind of transitioned more into like a, a balance of just like whole food nutrition, like not eating the processed foods and then minimizing carbs. Because when I first met you, you were like metering. I was like three, yeah. four millimolars deep every day. So <laughs> for somebody that has no idea what that even means, um, let's break down what true ketosis means as far as checking your blood levels um, and why, why serum is so much better than urinary. Yep. So you can do blood tests or there's actually like little breath meters Urinary. Now. Sorry. Urinary. Urinary. Like, you that? didn't even <laughs> stop me. Urine. Sorry. I had a correct. Okay, go. <laughs> um, yeah. Like the pee on the strip thing. So like that was really popular like back in Atkins. And that's a good indicator to say like, hey, my body's producing ketones. Um, this is granted you're not drinking ketones, which we can get to later. Um, but if your body, you actually measure it and you're not drinking them, then it's like, hey, my body's producing them. But beyond that, like you're... Ketones are a fuel source for your body. So say you were eating perfectly ketogenic and you were peeing on the strip and not measuring them. Well, that could be that your body is using them as a fuel at that point. Well, it, it very much is. And say you're working out hard or th things like that, like it's burning those up for fuel. So they may not register on the pee. Um, as far as the blood, though, that's going to be accurate every time because it's measuring. It's still like a speeding ticket. It's measuring like an app. Like in this moment right now, I'm, I have three millimolars, which is just... Millimolar is just like a measurement of ketones and uh, yeah, like, that's a great. So way. I mean, it's still like a speeding ticket kind of thing. Like it's like an at that time, like maybe you weren't speeding the whole time, and then all of a sudden you get hit, or you're at three millimolars, but you eat a meal, and it could still be ketogenic, but it's going to lower that just a little bit. So for you, and you know, we talk about we'll we'll talk about exogenous ketones, but with you and just being straight ketogenic, maybe with or without exogenous ketones. I guess we don't really have to decipher the two. With you, um, what do you feel the most benefit on um, when you were tracking? Like as far as milk, like what's good for millimolars? Like when you're, when you check your blood ketones, what's something that you felt like this is a good spot for me? It's not too much or it's not too little right. for where I'm not really feeling the effect. I would, I would say it's somewhere around like the 1.5 to 2.5 range. Okay. Like one point, like one millimolar is being shown in research to be kind of like, um, and we can go nerdy if we need to, but like the epigenetic side of things. So the cell signaling property of ketones starts around one millimolar. And then that's where you get the inflammation relief because it's signaling those receptors. And at like three to five, it's this, like we were talking about this very myopic feeling where you get like almost like too hyper-focused on certain things. And like the word, like it's good for some things, but um, like you could be, we could be sitting here and like, I could just be like totally zoned in on like the way that this little mic screen looks or something. <laughs> it's like a drug. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very much like some kind of drug at that level. <laughs> like you're very, very heightened. So for you to hit, you know, obviously benefits start around one. 
Why did you say that was again? Break that down again. So epigenetics. So it's the. Get, yeah, I want to dig into that a little bit. So in general, that's just the way, like the cell signaling. So at one millimolar, your body actually, or the ketones actually start to tell your cells what to do. So there's different like inflammation pathways. Uh, I can't exactly NLRP3 pathway. Okay. Um, and there's different research between that and at one millimolar and above that actually gets signaled to turn off. So that's where you get all these anti-inflammation benefits with ketones. And that's actually another really, really, really big thing, especially when you're looking at, you know, the brain. Well, everything gets inflamed. Like yeah. You get brain inflammation, but you also get like a puffy face and people don't necessarily, I mean, people are vain to some degree. So yeah. <laughs> they like that. And it's just like a sign of health. Like you can kind of see inflammation in other people too. Oh, you can. And they feel it. Achy, chronic. Oh, yeah. Just no issues bueno. after issues. Totally. So for you to hit 1.5 to whatever ideal, because carbohydrate tolerance is something I really wanted to talk about with you because I think every single person has somewhat of a degree of variance, whether it's deep, it could just be, and this is what I'd love to ask is it activity level. So like for you to get that much ketone in your blood or ketone millimolars in your blood, what were your carbohydrates at? Gram wise, so I was doing roughly around thirty grams net carbohydrates. So that's your total total carbs minus your fiber. Got it. So, you, well, shit, that's low. It's very low. Yeah. Um, could it's, you go up at all, and or did you instantly see a change? So that would be like mountain biking. Like you could kind of tell. Like if I was doing, I don't go to the gym a ton anymore, just because I think I burnt myself out on that early on. And, <laughs> and you have an impact. And I got my impact, <laughs> which I can do. I live out of a van, so I can. Yep. I kind of work that wherever I can. Yeah. Doing the uh, what's the one where you bend over the bent over row no, or the deadlift? It's like the one you stretch your back out with. Jefferson, Jefferson Curls? Curl, yeah. Oh. So like hang out of the van with the back. That yeah. thing is golden for That's that. That's good because <laughs> you sit a lot. So oh, yeah. it's perfect. No, a lot of hours of driving. Yeah. So, I mean, to get 1.5 millimolar, like I guess like insulin sensitivity is going to play in and then like your activity level is going to play in. Yeah. Um, if you're sitting all day, like you actually have higher ketone levels because you're not using them for fuel. Like oh, giving yeah. granted the same exact food, but then you go work out, you're actually putting them to work. Got um, it. You're also melting a lot more fat and stuff like that, which is always good. Which is what people want. Yeah. So what is, with your clients or with the people you work with, I guess I should say, what is like the highest you've seen people carb-wise go? I'm asking this for personal. Car- like carb-wise, like, like what do you mean? So carbohydrates, like what's the highest number like of grams that you can do with still getting something like one millimolar on your blood I mean, ketone I've seen test. people be able to do like 75. Like I know some trainers that work out a lot and they can do like almost 75 grams net up to like a hundred depending on how hard they're working on. So you go, I mean with that it would go into intensity. Got it. So you don't want to like over work out and that's kind of everything with the CrossFit and the wads and the shorter mm-hmm. workouts, but it's like. Is that because of the insulin sensitivity issues? Yeah. And it's because like how much you can, like it's how much you can like, ma- like mobilize all at once. Got it. Okay. So for you, now that you are kind of intuitive and we, so I had a Meg doll come in on a podcast and we talked about how like she refuses to check her blood ketone levels. And so that's kind of, you just, you just don't do it. But yeah, that was like question number two when I walked in the door. <laughs> yes, it was. I wanted to know. Cause I'm, I love the people that do it. Like Wade is all in on it and I do it sometimes, but like, I want to know how different bodies respond to 
the high fat diet. And it's especially for, well, with, for me, I just, I can't go, I have a hard time going that low carb, um, mainly because of my workouts. I just, I really do feel like I cause adrenal issues when I tap into anaerobic exercise, but I have very low glucose in my body. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I do think it's different for females because there's more complex hormonal structures and they can probably play into that. I haven't, yeah. being that it's not been a necessity for me to look into that. I haven't dug into that as much. Um, I mean, it just kind of depends. Like what well, also depends, like what are you training for in your workouts? Like what's your end goal kind of thing with everything? To be jacked. <laughs> um, then, yeah. To be a, to be an all like right now, I don't have anything I'm training for. Um, well, kind of, but can't talk about it yet. But it's more of like I am training for to just to be a really fucking good athlete. Like to me, that means more than anything to be able to do any sport at any time um, and just to keep my fitness varied to where I can do it all. Uh, and be really strong at it. So I think a lot of it's power, speed, all out max efforts. That's what I've been training more than just kind of slow endurance. So that's where like if that really explosive, and I'll get back to the whole testing, like mm-hmm. not testing any longer. Um, but like for the super, super explosive, I would say glucose still has its place. Yeah. Um, and that's where I do think the carbs are good. And then with the not testing anymore, I don't have anything per se I'm training for. Um, I just like to ride my mountain bike for fun. Like I, I tried the racing. It's just too much adrenaline. Like I just, I love adrenaline too much and I get too into it. Uh, so I just do it for fun. So that's why I'm more just like, I go with the intuitive thing. And then, you know, if you, if you have those days where you just like, you can't stop thinking about a piece of bread or you can't stop thinking about like fruit or something like that, then like, that's when I'm going to have it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. This whole concept of like, you know, with when I think there's a baseline. So my theory, like I have these challengers they are doing the challenge and they're my whole goal of these 21 days is to get them back in touch with what their body needs. Once you kind of get rid of sugar for a while and then you start craving it, it's always an indicator of something like for the fruit thing mm. or the bread thing. Like I intuitively know when I need, like we just had sardines. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I just really, I've had an issue with that. It was this one time back when I coached at CrossFit Park Hill, I was eating sardines and I accidentally left it out too long and I took a bite and it was like warm and it just made me puke. And I, I haven't had it sardines since, but today I came back to the sardines. And they were savage awesome. They were so good. Thank you, Wild Planet. <laughs> doused in Chipotle mayonnaise. Yes. Lots of Primal Kitchen mm. Chipotle mayonnaise. And... Blue Diamond Almonds, because apparently we're telling all my sponsors <laughs> right now, <laughs> just since I didn't do an intro. But um, I was thinking of this, like, I just, I have such a hard time with teaching people, one, like, that's what I'm writing my book on. Like, it's this whole gut instinct. Like, we know what to do. We just have been told that we are wrong or we've tried so many crappy things that we lose touch with that. And I think that's just what's so cool is when you can get back into touch with that side of yourself, just trusting it and letting it be. And I do, I think that's just awesome. Okay. We'll get back into, um, mountain biking. Do you, you feel like it's not anaerobic enough, even on big Hills, you can stay pure ketone. Yeah. I, I don't exactly know why that works so well, but it really does. Yeah. And maybe it's just a, a length of time doing it. So 
at this point now, like, I don't even really, I mean, it's probably bad, but I don't really even take water. I don't have a water bottle cage thing. Got it. And the backpacks just hurt my back, so. You just go I for mean, it. I just kind of go for it. Like, yeah. I chug a lot of water before I go, and then, I mean, a lot of times I'm fasted, so I'll just do, like, the fat coffee or, you know, some kind of version of that in the morning, and then just kind of go for it. And you do, you're a big believer in cordyceps. Oh, I love cordyceps. You got me into cordyceps even before I knew about Four Sigmatic. Oh, absolutely. And they just, I mean, I love it. Tell me, because I was just like, wait, what? This can help me <laughs> be a better athlete? Like, what? So tell me what you're... She said we were taking like 20 packs at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's in my cup right now. <laughs> yeah, so cordyceps are really good. It's similar to ketones. Like, really, ketones and cordyceps are like, that's my go-to move, especially like being in Denver at altitude right now. And yeah. I just came back from Costa Rica being at sea level. So it's like... The adjustment and then, you know, if you can utilize oxygen better. So that's what cordyceps help you do and that's what ketones also help you do. So it out, does it just upregulate ATP production? So it, it just, it just, yeah, essentially. Okay. okay. And then like ketones themselves, they use less oxygen per unit of ATP. And Got then it. so it's kind of like you're, you're more efficient ATP. Supercharging both sides Got of it. the coin. Increase ATP and also more efficient ATP. Yeah. Okay. For cordyceps, um, and maybe not so much for ketones, but do you have to take it consistently to reap the benefits? So that I actually don't know. I, I would, think I, I would read say that. There's probably an adaption period for sure to get full benefits. So similar to like ketones, like at first your body doesn't know really what they are. So yeah. it's building like an efficiency back to them. Unless you go like you're an endurance athlete that eats carbs, but like that into like, you know, if you're, you run 50 miles and you're not doing goo packs the whole time, like somewhere in like, 30 to 50 miles, especially if you're trail running or something like that, like you're going to probably burn through all that glycogen and be in ketosis. Yeah. So it's like their bodies know how to utilize those ketones and it's built like an efficiency during those like periods where they're in it. Whereas other people, it's like every two hours, they're like, where's the vending machine? Like, where's the snack? Like, or they're just bored. Like, I think a lot of people are just nine to five. They're just bored. They're sitting there. Food's a great distraction. It is. It's something to think about and it's, it's good. It, I think it's more of this like dopamine release, right? So we're like, yeah. this. yeah, we just hit this. It's the best drug out there. Sugar yeah. is absolutely the best drug out there. Instant. I mean, it's instant gratification. So if somebody's not checking their blood ketones, which I do think if someone's truly ketosis or ketogenic, they should just to know because it's like this guinea pig thing that you have to figure yeah. out. Right. But what are the signs that you are in? Like when you, can you tell when you're out of it and when you're in it, what are some of the things that since you did both for so long? Yeah. So now I would say now that I'm not testing, um, the, what I've noticed more is just kind of like the mental acuity side of things. Like if I'm reading a text and then like I stop reading it, then like I forget it. Like all of a sudden, like I can kind of tell like versus like my memory is a little sharper where I remember those little things. And then also like the smell on your breath, it's kind of like an ammonia smell. Mm. Um, so there's different ketone bodies and acetyl acetate uh -huh. is not the most, like BHB is the most abundant beta hydroxybutyrate. That's the most abundant ketone. Um, your brain loves all of them. It loves BHB the most. Okay. Pretty positive. And then acetyl acetate. So if you would think like that breaks down to acetone, that's where you get that like kind of punk smell on your breath. You definitely know you're in ketosis if you have that and it's, you can kind of listerine it away and uh, like you can't necessarily chew tons of gum if you're in ketosis because it's got like, you know, all the weird sweeteners and all that kind of stuff. And even those can kick you out, even though there's not calories to them, but they can still, I mean, your body still has to go work to detox those like in the moment. 
That's uh, why fake sugars are so powerful. Yeah. Hmm. Is stevia one of those that can do that too? I, I think like, so. Jury's out on stevia. Yeah. Like, I just I don't think it has the same liver response as um, fake sugars, but I do think it's the brain response that continues to cause us to still yeah. want more. I mean, majority of times when I eat something that has like stevia or something kind of sweet in it, it still triggers the same like feeling that I had that it's like, mm, I want more food or I want, and it's like, no, I just drink like 30 grams of fat. Like I don't want more food Yeah. I don't, or I, I don't need, I might want, but I don't need more food. Yeah. What's your diet consist of now macro wise? Do you know? I mean, you're, you're not tracking, um, but. Honestly, I don't really, I would say like protein is probably like around a hundred. Okay. And then carbs are like, some days carbs could be like 10 just because wow. I'll eat like one big meal in the day. And that's and then it. It's just like kind of vegetable carbs. Yeah. And there's so much fiber in most vegetables. Um, other days it could shift and be kind of like, I think I always, I've become kind of a believer in like, like throw curveballs at your body all the time. So like don't eat the same thing all the time. And like, don't be, I mean, you could be like, I know you're doing like times right now. So uh-huh. like noon to eight, I think that's really good, but not necessarily like, okay, I eat this much food at noon. I eat this much food at four. I eat this much food at eight, like exact quantities. Um, so you can kind of like throw little curveballs into that. And then, Fat is just kind of, I would just say like keep your protein around like a hundred ish, depending on how much you're working out. I don't work out a ton. I do love, I got a new bike, so I do love riding that right now. So you got to For women and men, even in ketosis or in ketogenic? Yeah, I mean, men can be a little bit more, or I mean, it really just depends on your muscular build. So True. I mean, you got more muscle than I do, so you can get away with more. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the protein. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a big one. I think people don't realize protein can convert to glucose. Yeah, um, gluconeogenesis. Yes, it's really fast, it's, and it happens quickly. So it's like, I feel like with people that are trying to be low carb, they're high fat, high protein. Yeah, it's just really easy. Yeah. And it, and I like if I'm not, you know, pushing. So for my challengers, some of them are just high fat, not necessarily ketogenic. So they're still fat burners, mm-hmm. but they're not um, completely like they, they're using carbs around 25% of their daily intake is about 25% carbohydrate. So way too high for them to be in a ketogenic state. So then they're allowed more protein because it's it's not. They're, it's like a hybrid fuel right, source. Right, like the buffer. Yes. So that's kind of the concept. So beta-hydroxybutyrate um, has been the only one that's been able to be packaged, correct? Yep. That's Why is that? Um, Do you know anything about that specific? I mean, it's just the kind of the, the patents that are out there, Department, Department of Defense patents, so they're never researched. So I think a lot of it's classified. I mean, you can Google BHB and MCT patent okay. and see like the full-blown process like, I researched guess. by dr dom and um, patrick arnold and there's one other dude on that patent dr dom how did he get into ketogenic was it just purely through research of um cancer prevention and cancer reverse I or reversal it, I, yeah i should know this better actually but it, a lot okay. of it was i just like, thought of that question like epileptic stuff and he got partnered with different found like the charlie foundation was one that he partnered with okay. um and then he just got so he got also tossed into um the, he got commissioned by the Naval Research Department to create this patent, um, and it was all based around like special forces, like Navy divers, and they use those oxygen rebreather masks, so or tanks or whatever. So you're breathing pure oxygen. So, and I'm sure there's someone out there who's just gonna like demolish what I'm saying. <laughs> like okay. all correction. Um, so whenever you're using one of those rebreathers at a certain price, like you have basically you have so long at pressure. 
and then like time underwater, like breathing it mm -hmm. before your brain starts to have a seizure. So it's an oxygen toxicity seizure. So with like what they wanted was an essentially a way to instantaneously put ketones in the body. So like an acute ketosis um, to basically fuel their brains with ketones to prevent those seizures from happening. So the whole, the whole thing about exogenous and drinkable ketones actually stems out of like special forces research. It's just keeping people alive. Yeah. For just, a long you know, time. So, I mean, keeping them alive and the fact that it's like a few little bubbles and you're near your enemy on like a special mission. Holy cow, I didn't know that. Having a seizure underwater. <laughs> so exogenous ketones, um, for you, do you feel like for, are in the benefit, like the benefit for somebody that is already ketogenic is it better or is it for somebody that's not ketogenic but wants ketones? Or is it equal? I'm not, I'm not curious. So, Does I that mean, make sense? I started, so I started off like, I mean, I think my ego is a little high when I started off like even looking into them just because it was like, you got to do it the hard way. You have to do it the hard so way. So you did it without, you yeah. went keto without having Without anything like that. Excess. And okay. then I didn't want to believe anything like that was possible because it's like, I'm ahead. Like it's. There's limitations to just doing pure ketogenic diet because of the fact that it's like you can't necessarily go have like a like a good beer with a friend and stuff like that. If your goals are like very strict. Now granted like long term like find that balance. Mm -hmm. Um and then with drinking the ketones, like I just I just love like that boost. Okay. So you and it I guess that makes sense. So when somebody is keto it's very hard for them to go in and out, right? Yeah. Because it's like your body is confused. Um, it wants a fuel source, and then you're changing that fuel source up. Is that what you're saying yeah, a little then, bit? Yeah. Then, like, I think also, like, so with that would tie into, like, I'm thinking, like, mindset. So it's, like, oh. once you get on to, like, once you would cycle off a little bit or you go do those things, then your your brain starts to reconnect those pathways, and then that habitual process starts to come back that you were trying to break. So... I may very much look at it as it's a tool, not a cheat code. Okay. Um, exogenous ketones. Yeah, exogenous ketones. Okay. So it's, they're, they're the tool, like, or I can treat them like a bridge, or like you can help someone kind of come off sugar. Yeah. Um, and then you still, like, you know, if you want to lose 40 pounds, like, you're going to have to eat less carbs. And then for the individual that still wants carbs and wants to, like, use them, I would more use it, like, performance-based, like, before a workout mm -hmm. or, um, I mean, I've had people talk about, like, social anxiety. So, like, they'll actually use them prior to, like, a presentation oh. or something of that thing because having those heightened ketones actually kind of suppresses or, you know, I've anecdotally heard a lot of experiences about suppression of anxiety and different things like that. Okay. Well, and that could also just be excess carbohydrate anxiety that maybe they're no longer consuming mm -hmm. or it's kind of combating the glucose response when you have a high-carbohydrate yep. meal and that blood sugar goes up and blood sugar drops down. That can cause so much anxiety. I don't think people realize. Or the inflammation process. I'm trying to think of alternative <laughs> things. But, or just the brain. Um, and then you I mean, you think inflammation alone. Yeah. Like if you can shut down inflammation to any level. Uh, I mean, just think like, so gut, like both passengers, super passionate about the gut. Yeah. And it's like gut inflammation is huge. Like leaky gut, like all these different things. So if you can start to shut down that inflammation and let the gut start to like provide an environment for it to start to heal itself, well then your I brain mean, everything shifts. Yeah. Like instantly your brain is starting to develop like the neurotransmitters are actually gonna be doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's interesting. Um well for oh, I have so many questions <laughs> for you. Uh 
What are the other things, like, um, as far as, this is my issue with keto, is that I do think long-term for women, I wonder the effects of it, if you are that low-carb for that long, Um, which is why I love the the idea and the, the, you know, the BHB or supplement form of keto ketones because you can get the benefits without having to stay that long-term keto. But I do think it's so fun to realize, and you've seen so many people do this, how some people will respond differently than others. Um, do you see that more men are better at being keto, more women are better at being keto? Like what are you, what's your just general observation? I would, I would say men typically do a better job and my brain goes to like hunter gatherers. So females would have been like picking food when we were kind of talking about like tribes um, earlier today, but like the females would be like maybe doing more food processing and things of that nature. So they might be snacking a little bit more throughout the day. Mm. Whereas your hunter gatherer is going to be more off. Like he didn't necessarily eat until he like gets the kill. Yeah. Or he's sharing a very, very small like food ration among like a little group of hunters that are out on a mission or something like that. Yeah. So I think it's more, I think men do a little bit better with the longer term fasting and then being in ketosis for longer periods of time. Uh, and then for women, I do think, I do think there's some things like you want to have definitely for women, more of the carb refeed days and things like that. Uh, Do you think it's like a once a week thing for a refeed day? Can you explain how you did that when you did your carb refeed? So a refeed, so I went on a mountain bike ride today. I would typically always refeed, like I would do the mountain bike ride fasted or the CrossFit or the, I mean, it could just be a walk, like a brisk walk or something like anything. Like, everyone's at a different spot. Like, I know when I started, like, I was riding a mountain bike on the road a half a mile. So, that could be, like, that exercise. Like, so, go into that, like, maybe with your fat coffee or something like that. And then post would be, like, I would try to do some kind of complex carbs. So, versus doing, like, the, like, a bunch of, well, I mean, blueberries would be pretty good because they sound good. But, like, a sweet potato. <laughs> so, glucose-based. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of glucose-based like that. And, and you might do 100, 150 carbs or... You might totally every once in a while just throw your body off and go like really, really high carbs. But then on those days, I would lower the fat down. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to totally just like jam your body full of like fat and carbs at the same time. Calories. Because then, yeah, then it's just going to be upset with you and you'll cause more inflammation than good you're doing, even if it's quality food. Yeah. Uh, and you do that after every exercise or after every like once a week planning it? So it kind of depends. I would say, like, if That's I was. That's a lot of carbs if, right at once. Yeah. If I was to ride my bike tomorrow and I really wanted to do another hard bike ride, because bike rides in Denver tend to be very difficult, I'm finding. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Giant rocks. <laughs> um, so I, if I was going to ride tomorrow, I would have done like an R sardine thing. I would have probably done more carbs on that. Okay. Um, versus purely just like fat and protein. Mm hmm. But I happen to be riding in the car about 14 hours tomorrow. So I don't feel like I need those carbs because kind of like I'll be able to refill those glycogen stores throughout that period of time. So I'm having like a longer window of time to let them refill off, you know, just the random carbs that you can't go. I mean, you can't go zero carb, don't get me wrong. But if you're eating like and you have flavor in your diet at some level, yeah. like they're going to come in like and your Brussels sprouts and your bell peppers and this and that, like the little kind of things. Totally. I love that. I think it's, again, back to that intuitive sense, like, I know I always just plan carbs. Depending on the CrossFit workout, I do probably more pre than you do. You don't do carbs pre because you can do it fasted. Uh, I've played around with both. So this whole fasting thing, the 12 to 8 window that I'm doing, 
I don't know. I can't decide if I like it or not because I think I undereat and, you know, I cannot hit my caloric need and I think it stresses my body out. Where do you eat your biggest meal? So my biggest meal is usually probably right after I work out. So if I am fasting from, you know, basically 8 p.m. to 12 uh, or whatever it is, if I work out at noon, take the noon class, it's usually like 1 or 1, by the, realistically one thirty, And that lunch, it tends to be my biggest Okay. And I actually like that idea because yeah. then you're not going to bed with like it. Yeah. I did the whole like last meal of the day because I think it's like you get, I don't know. I don't, I don't think people should eat when they're really stressed out just because like the, you're not digesting the whole other cascade of things that's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, like just everything with that <sighs> cortisol and then like sitting down if you can, like chewing slow, like there's that whole mindfulness piece mm-hmm. to that outside of ketones and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. or a little carb. Um, but I like that idea of doing it like more then cause it will kind of stress your body out, especially with you working out, like you're going to go work out the next day, most likely. Mm-hmm. So you want to refill those then like more right near that workout or performance activity. For sure. Um, do you take, what other supplements do you take? Do you have to take any digestive support for the amount of fat that you ate or did you used to have to take any digestive support? So I, I certainly took ox bile yeah. and lipase. Okay. So, but a lot of times it was just in like the blend, like I like some sort of, enzyme. yeah, look for some kind of enzyme blend and then look at the other ingredients and kind of like try to get the ones without the fillers and all that. But yeah. ox bile is the one you want to like, that's the one that's not at all enzyme blends. And that's like the gallbladder and bile helps digest fats. So especially if you're transitioning or if you were someone that didn't have a gallbladder and was probably wanting to try it, like. Well, I just think anyone that's had their gallbladder out period, I don't know why no one tells them about ox bile or bile in general. So I have my own thing with that just from family members. But Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of interesting. The liver and gallbladder are basically what take the brunt of trauma. So people that have been through traumatic events, the gallbladder and liver stop functioning. Liver always functions because we die without it, but especially gallbladder, there's like a really big correlation between traumatic events and gallbladder dysfunction. But I think it's interesting. And I, this is what I have seen with my clients for nutritional therapy. If they don't have a gallbladder, then I love having them take ox bile. And maybe some do need that with, um, if they have a gallbladder, um, and their gallbladder is just not functioning well, then ox bile is good. But what I really love doing is doing some of like the building blocks of bile. So vitamin Hi, Siri. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, so taurine and vitamin C and um, usually some pancreas glandular for digestive support has been really helpful as well. So, But it depends on the person. No, I could see all those being good. And like apple cider, like apple cider vinegar is another good one to like help break down food and stuff like that. Yeah. It, and it's it was really cool. I'll just say it's because this happened yesterday in testing. If, and if um, – hi, Christina and Ashley, if you're listening, I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> but it was cool because I was um, – they were in town. It was awesome. When I was doing, I do muscle testing for people with, you know, just kind of overall body health and with the pancreas test. Um, so they, they tested really well with digestive enzymes. So I was like, okay, we definitely need some sort of help with carb breakdown, fat breakdown, or protein breakdown. That's the general enzyme, but most likely fat breakdown because there's gallbladder issues. But when you add pancreatic support, so a pancreas glandular, which pancreas creates, it's an exocrine and endocrine gland. So it's not just controlling blood sugar, it's excreting enzymes. The enzymes were no longer needed. So just with pancreas, like 
so it's bovine pancreas glandular, I could take away enzymes and get an equally strong response. How cool is that? So it's like it shifted, like it, you, you fixed the actual issue. And then yes. Whether, I mean, it doesn't say, like she probably still would feel good with enzymes because she's taking it instantly and it's helping break down food. But like bigger picture, let's figure out why enzymes aren't being produced in a way that she needs for the food that she's eating. So I thought that was really cool because I have never really connected that to, and I never would have done that outside of just kind of like detective muscle testing, being nerdy, being nerdy and like <laughs> <laughs> weirded, weirding myself out with all my witch doctor shit. Um, but I do think that's a good point. And I, you know, I definitely talk about this all the time, like fat digestion, if it's not happening, can cause gut trauma, gut. I think it yeah. can cause, it can cause leaky gut. So really, and that's any digestion protein, carbs, but especially fat because they're so hard to break down. And a lot of us just don't have the capabilities. So don't be afraid of finding the supplements that will help you break those foods down. Um, yeah. So many people go so low fat too. Like uh, why is there so many foods with so much sugar in them? Because when you take the fat out, you put the sugar in and then like everything's like sugar is way more addictive. So if you're marketing a product, you probably should just put sugar in it and market it to the masses and get it out there. Yeah. That's not what I want, but Business-wise, that's kind of what happens. And totally. Then, so no one's really used to, like, their gallbladder is like, I don't really have to work because, like, never putting any fat in. You got all these low-fat frankenfoods that you're putting in me. And, and, I mean, good bile and good gallbladder function is because of good fatty acids. So you, yeah. you, deprive, it, you deprive your body of creating then you just have this vicious cycle. And that can be with so many different things. Um, so you take sometimes ox bile. Mm-hmm. Do you still do that? Uh, I don't have any right now. I guess I could buy some, but I haven't I have been eating like any. super high. <laughs> I haven't eaten like super high fat meals lately. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of like a little bit more balanced down, just just the way it's going. Yeah. Uh, but when you do higher fat, like yeah, anytime do. I would do. So I make like a full fat coconut milk ice cream with like. I mean, if you look at the can, it's seventy grams of fat and seven hundred calories in a can of full fat coconut milk, which is awesome. It's it's what you want. Um, and I do get like a quality brand because there's like little nuances between the brands. Ethan um, makes an incredible keto <laughs> ice cream that you, I got an ice cream maker because of this. <laughs> you told me this recipe and I went out and I bought a um, ice cream maker and I made, it's like six eggs, yeah, so coconut milk, <laughs> coconut cream. And then kind of sweetener of your choice. So like, yeah, stevia. I use stevia sometimes. I'm like, I'm with you. I'm on the fence. And then like, you have- I did peppermint oil. Ooh, so I made mint chocolate good. chip. It is like my own version of mint chocolate chip. I've done like, uh, what is it? Like, like clove type things. Oh, like yeah. Hazel. You get like more like an eggnog type flavor. Ooh, I like it. And then like, of course, like raw cacao powder. Can I post the recipe? Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll post the recipe <laughs> on the uh the notes below but do realize it's a lot of fat so you might need some ox bile. <laughs> yeah so like if, if i was eating like a if i maybe got a little carried away with that like definitely a digestive enzyme or two because like that could be a meal like one sitting of like 100 grams of fat yeah oh shit that's a lot man now i do also remember like eating all that fat and like just self-experimentation me personally like i would wake up and this is more when i was fixated on the fat loss side of things yeah. I would lose like three or four pounds and I would eat it kind of like at 10 p.m. Wow. So that was always interesting to me. The more fat you ate at night, the better like, you felt in the morning. Oh, I felt amazing. Because there's no real response. Like there's, I mean, it's just tons of fat and carbs and then there's the protein from the eggs still. I need to make some tonight. You need a lot of it. 
But you can make it um, then, like if you make a full batch, you can like partition it out in like little bowls, like so like four sort of little bowls, and then I mean it's essentially just a really fatty protein shake. So it doesn't take any more time to make than like a protein shake. Totally, I agree with that. I'm trying to think of some more keto questions. Calories? Do you count calories? Do you not count calories? Like do all those things. Does anybody really? Um, I mean, if you have like a mission to like lose a bunch of fat, know that you're the like your body stores fat for like energy later. So mm-hmm. if you're really stressed, I mean things like that, like mm-hmm. or you're just eating poorly, which causes your body a lot of stress. So it's storing that fat to be able to process later, or it's lots of toxins that are storing in the fat. Um, so if you're on a mission to lose a bunch of fat, I would say you actually can do keto with less fat because you're burning the fat that's actually on your body. Mm, um, I like that because that's an interesting, I've seen some people like, si- you know, similar macros, similar goals. That makes sense. I mean, there's like a, I mean, this is like one of the weird cases, but it's an actual study. And there was like a multiple hundred pound man uh-huh. that fasted for over a year because he was just burning his body fat. Do you have a grams of fat? That's a gross, <laughs> that's a gross visual. Do you have a grams of fat that you would start with somebody? I, I mean, I have mm. for my clients, but I'm just I'm curious if you have a number. I, I mean, because we usually don't count. We it just comes to head like 100 to 125. But if you if you're already kind of eating higher fat, like you're used to eating bacon, or if you're used to eating like not just egg white omelets, like you actually have eaten the yolk for a while, mm-hmm. um, you didn't fall in the trap. Stood <laughs> strong. Then you can get away, like you can start with more, but 100 to 125, like 100 grams of protein, like kind of almost balance it out at the beginning because people are going from such little fat to like, I mean. Full on fat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's the whole like running to the bathroom or even like really like multiple (laughs) times a day. That's usually If you have any like yellow mucusy looking stool or anything like that, then your body's not digesting the fat. So you definitely want to be pumping up the bile and lowering the fat down for a little bit. For sure. Slowly give your body the the transition. What do you, I'm, I'm sure you get approached. What other questions? You have like... Um, like fiber can be kind of oh, a big one. Yeah. Let's talk... Yeah. So a lot of people... I mean, a lot. I, all too often I see this whole like, oh, I'm doing keto and it's like salami and cheese and like all... I don't know. So like, and then handfuls of almonds and which is not that any one of these things is necessarily bad per se. Now, yeah. Salami, like I think you're going to have to look pretty hard to find a non-processed one versus like cheese. You can usually, if you can handle dairy and lactose and all that, then you can usually find like a, a raw grass fed pretty easy now. Uh, but if you're doing those types of things, like I don't, one, I don't feel like it's keto because it's just like the quality of food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, it's like, there's no fiber in any of those things. Yeah. So. And fiber is good. Fiber is amazing. It binds to estrogen. It gets us out, get it, gets it out of our body. I actually did it some, this, I learned this with muscle testing <laughs> on my own. It's a really great blood sugar support. I mean, yep. we kind of know that already, but some, I couldn't believe how much power the, the fiber dictated somebody's test. Like it was yep. like holy cow, like your blood sugar is screaming for some extra fiber. What? How many grams are you getting? What? Where are you getting it from? Um, and it's really interesting how how helpful fiber can be. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, just make sure at some point during the day, like even if you start with the salami, like everyone starts somewhere. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Um, but get some kind of greens in or get some kind of just something that's going to be fiber support that's not going to have all the carbs. And that, like kind of what I was thinking when you were just talking, it's like 
I love juicing, but at the same time, it's like exactly that with the blood sugar response. Like yeah. the fiber is there. It's kind of like a full package for a reason. Like Mother Nature had its intentions with it. Yeah. Um, so I agree. If you're that. juicing lots of vegetables, that could be one thing. But but even then, apples, you're like, but you know, yeah. I'm kind of on this track. Of like I feel like I'm wasting so much of this kale <laughs> just to get like a shot of kale juice. You know, and why not just blend it? And I, you know, the only thing. The juicers are great for ginger and turmeric and those oh, kind of man, things. Sounds good. It's so good. Um, I have them all the time. But with when it comes to smoothies, I usually always do kale blended or yeah. chard blended because it's just you are wasting so much. Unless it, you're making like little uh, pancakes, like you mix them with like mix the rot, like whatever the rest oh, of the kale yeah. or like carrots or something with the pulp. Yeah, the pulp. That's, that's the word. You can make like uh, little veggie patties. Yeah, it's like little veggie burgers or something with it. So then you um, got some extra substance and you're getting your fiber there. You could do like crackers. You could make homemade crackers with a little bit of oil. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> God, my brain. Yeah, that'd be so good. You could take the pulp. You could smash it down. You could add some sesame and some sort of binder, like um, maybe even yeah, an egg. Chia seeds could probably bind oh, it. Oh, chia. Yeah, soak the chia. Get it all sticky. Someone's probably got like a pretty oh, granola sure. recipe for Let us know, guys. Low-carb crackers. Pulp crackers. That's a good idea. Um, or you could feed to your chickens. I used to give it to my chick- my friend's chickens. Oh, that would be I was, And I felt, I felt better about it. But the whole point is you're the one who's supposed to eat it. Yeah, make a, make a compost pile and yeah. throw vegetables from the garden. For sure. What about um, the last thing, the ketoacidosis? Okay, so ketoacidosis would be for more your type 1 diabetics. Um, and that's someone who can't produce insulin. So... It, that, it's essentially when ketones get out of control and you don't have insulin to because if ketones get too high your body will naturally like anyone that's got insulin that can be secreted will secrete insulin and then that actually causes you to pee out excess ketones okay. so if you don't have that you know mechanism working properly then ketones can kind of spiral out of control and then like where we were talking three or four millimolars so was like that was pretty high which is it's high yeah um the ketoacidosis would be like 25 millimolars and that is a very serious medical condition oh shoot so i didn't know that keto versus ketoacidosis not the same thing apples to oranges but at the same time it's like a type 1 diabetic still has to be mindful of what they're doing so and most people have their dexcons and their different units and things and now they're like synced to smartphones and it like checks every five minutes and it buzzes on your iWatch if you're Mm -hmm. so it's it's getting there Um, but that is a serious medical condition. And a lot of times, like, and I don't know because I'm not a medical practitioner, but I look at a lot of it, it's probably the high, high spikes from all the sugar and processed stuff that's really doing it more so than people attempting a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. The insulin issues. Shoot. I'm glad we asked that. I asked that because I know that that always comes (laughs) up. I'm sure you get that all the time. Well, like if you are a medical, like if you are a nurse or something like that and you were going through school and like you got to remember all these terms. Yeah. Like ketoacidosis is a big word. So you shorten it to keto. And then now it's like when you hear the word keto, your brain associates ketoacidosis. To somebody about to die. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Which is not what we Yeah. To like red alert, red flags. Where? Okay. So I'm going to plug your stuff in. I'm going to post a picture. Your before and after. Show them all your van and then oh, yeah, where, van life. the van life that you're living in. Where else can everyone find you? Um, so I have Instagram, uh, Nomad Entrepreneur. So Nomad underscore Entrepreneur. And then I just have Facebook as my name. Ethan Godwin. Yep. G-O-D-W-I-N. And anyone can add me. Ethan, you know I already know this. We've talked about this many 
months ago, but what is your spirit animal? The butterfly. Why is it the butterfly? I honestly, it's like on these like moments in life where like change is happening, it always seems like a butterfly is there. And then if you look at a butterfly's life cycle, it's, you know, it grow like it goes into a cocoon, cocoon, which is like pretty ugly, actually. I mean, some of them are cool looking. But most but of them it, are just like basic. Yeah. Like, it's but like it a morphs. Sack. Like it goes from a caterpillar, this like creepy little thing crawling on a leaf to like this most beautiful flying around butterfly. Like, and it just looks awesome to be a butterfly, like soar around and just graceful. Minus the whole like. 72-hour life cycle thing or whatever it is. <laughs> butterfly, that's actually, I'm, people, like, the fact that we forget that caterpillars, like, it's, nature's, nature's crazy. Nature's so crazy. Nature's <laughs> so crazy. It's a little caterpillar and it wraps itself up <laughs> in this little blanket and then it just pops out. God, I love nature. You know, it's my favorite thing to watch is, like, planet earth videos oh, yeah. and oh for sure god it's just my favorite because it puts everything into perspective like what is my life what am i even cre- what am i freaking out about like this <laughs> caterpillar just did magic like i this- mean it's it totally is magic oh it's so cool um what color butterfly are you right now it's like so i just got back from costa rica and i really i don't know the name of it so I know mariposa is butterfly in spanish but yeah, yeah yeah it's the blue butterfly i think it is a mariposa is it yeah, I think it is, but I, that might be because I also was in Costa Rica, and that was so. I think Mariposa yeah. is just butterfly in general, but the the blue one that they have mm, with the eyes. Yep. So like the back of the feathers are like actually like they kind of look almost like an owl, like a predator. Mm-hmm. And then when it opens its wings, it's like the beautiful blue. It's so cool. It's like a brown outside, and then, yeah, those, oh, you know, there's over 700 species of hummingbirds in Costa Rica. <laughs> I, I, I saw a lot of them there. And you saw one today. Eating, no, that yeah, I saw one actually like right after I got done mountain biking right the before way I saw your text. It was weird. Well, I'm just warning you. I'm just letting you know. You got to get over here. <laughs> and like, I actually do have the spirit animal book in the van. Do you really? So I got that. Yes, it's such a good book, guys. You should totally check it out. I think it's Stephen Finney. No, that's the guy. Uh, that's a keto guy. Uh, yeah, Stephen was- Farmer. <laughs> Stephen Farmer. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Ethan Godwin, you're the man. I'm glad we finally did this in in person. This is so much better. Oh, so much better. Come back to Denver soon and I will share the keto ice cream that all of you guys have to try. Let me know what your thoughts are and I'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Thank you.